Greetings, Seamheads. Welcome into the latest installment of the 20th and Blake podcast, a part of the My Life Sports Podcast Network. I am your co-host, Anilo Piro. Sitting across the table from me is editor-in-chief of the Rockies content, Luke Zalman. Uh, Going to be talking a lot about your Colorado Rockies, specifically their offense or lack thereof, considering their struggles here recently. Uh, losing this at, uh, tonight to the Los Angeles Dodgers, 7-2. to Rockies now with a 3-6 and six record on the season. To read up about your Colorado Rockies, be sure to visit MyLifeSports.com. Have some fantastic articles from both Luke and myself, as well as the rest of our staff. So please be sure to go to MyLifeSports.com. Follow us on Instagram at MyLifeSports, on Twitter at MyLifeSports, the whole shebang. We will have you locked down with all of your Colorado sports coverage, but especially your Colorado Rockies. Uh, where do you want to start, Luke? I mean, you know, it's been such a whirlwind the first week or so for this season, um, but things are not going for the Rockies. Like I said, 3-6. and six, uh, wh- Where do you want to dive in? I mean, I don't know if there's a word beyond beating a dead horse, <laughs> but whatever's beyond that, that's what you – that's what it is to talk about their offense now because yeah. – Everyone can see that it's completely inept so far. I mean, when Nolan Arenado is slamming his bat in frustration this early in the year, consistently on a game-to-game basis, that just tells you how terrible the offense has been. And he's talked about it. He said, okay, we know we're going to get it going eventually. We can't panic so far. But it's. It, I'm interested, at what point do they actually start to begin to panic? At what point does the lineup themselves, Buddy Black, at what point does Jeff Breidich start to panic? Mm-hmm. There has to come a point when you see, you know, Ian Desmond continuing to struggle, one of the highest paid players on your team continuing to struggle, and you also don't have really any reinforcements besides, like, Ryan McMahon coming back from injury, Daniel Murphy coming back from injury. But is that what's going to solve it for them? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. And, and I think these problems are rooted a lot deeper, you know, than McMahon and Murphy. It's, it's a collaborative effort. You know, there was an instance today um, where the Rockies were able to get the leadoff runner on and have the top of their lineup come up with Blackman, Story, Renato, and, you know, they didn't get anything going. I mean, no runs crossed the board in some of these sequences. Um, you know, and you can tell they're frustrated. You know, you could just – when the media comes barreling into the clubhouse after the game, you know, the players, you know, credit to them, they do their job by talking to us. But you could tell – you know, when we bring up this the, this tough stretch that they're going through, that it's, they get a little annoyed. You know, they're frustrated themselves um, and whatnot. It's really a complex situation at this point in time. Um, you know, but these guys are confident in their abilities. You know, Nolan kind of talked about how every single game, regardless of how they're performing, you know, the offense is going to come in, you know, with their heads held high, you know, thinking that they can beat any pitcher on any given night. Um, that just hasn't been happening for them so far this season. But, you know, Nolan talked about it a lot. You got to get better late in games. You got to get better with men on base and with runners in scoring position. Three things that the Rockies have not done well this season at all. And it makes you wonder, Bud Black talked about it in his post game. He's saying, all the guys seem to be, outside of like David Dahl, who he thinks is really on time, really starting to show his growth. Outside of him, he's saying everyone's early, everyone's late. There's something going on with each hitter where they are just a tick late or a tick too early. And you wonder how much of the frustration is due to that because just being off of balls may make them even more frustrated than not hitting the ball at all. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I mean, I played baseball, you played baseball. You know, there's kind of nuances that go into hitting, you know, and there's definitely frustrations that come with that. Obviously, we weren't major league players by any means, but you, you can tell that they're close. You know, I spoke with Ryan McMahon yesterday before he went on the injured list, and he kind of talked about how he feels that this team is very, very close, you know, breaking out of this slump and really developing into the offense that we've all come to know, um, you know, over the course of, of this franchise's existence. You know, it's really 
you know, interesting to me that we're so you know we're a handful of games into the season, and a lot of people thought that the bullpen, the starting rotation, you know, those were going to be the issues with this club. You know, whereas that's not been the case. You know, it's been the offense and really the offense solely. Um, you know, the starting pitchers are doing a fantastic job of keeping them in games. Obviously, you know, they're not throwing shutouts every night, but they're keeping them within striking distance. And the Rockies have been unable to capitalize, you know, or gain any momentum for the most part. Um, you know, just really not good for this club right now. You know, they're in the gutters, you know, but it, it's a good thing in the sense that they're in the gutters now as opposed to, you know, at the end of year, September, or, you know, in the playoffs like they were in the NLDS. Well, I think overall, if you were to go back to last year, a lot of times when the Rockies played game in and game out, they were either we're going to get home runs and we're going to get runs on the board or we're going to do absolutely nothing on the offensive end of, the, of, of things. You know, they – were so home run reliant last year, and then they return almost the exact same squad this year. Mm-hmm. Now that Daniel Murphy's out there, the exact same squad outside of you know Mark Reynolds getting re-signed yeah. from two years ago. I mean, outside of that, they're the exact same club. So expecting them to once again capitalize on that and be that home run or bust type offense, I think was a little foolhardy from the front office's perspective. They haven't been able to string anything together. And most of it is due to the fact that, you know, Murphy goes down in game two, you return back that same offense, and now that luster's gone. You know, they don't have Cargo in the lineup to kind of keep a level head, don't have Gerardo Parra anymore. They don't have much of a veteran influence anymore. And you would think that maybe a guy like Nolan would step up in that void, a guy like Charlie Blackman would step up in that void. And behind the scenes, they probably are, but it is really just not showing on the field. No, yeah, and I mean, you bring up a good point, Luke. You know, you would think that guys like Nolan and Charlie would, but at the same time, you know, baseball is an extremely team-oriented game. You know, Nolan is going to get his. He's going to hit 30-plus home runs. He's going to drive in close to 100 runs every year. Charlie's going to do his thing. You know, you know, you brought up some key pieces that are no longer with this team. Para, a close to 300 hitter. Cargo is going to knock, you know, 20, you know, 20 plus balls out of the ballpark. You know, these DJ LeMahieu, you know, another 300 hitter. You know, guys that were in an offense that was shaky last year are no longer here. And, and you know, this has been the theme with the Rockies this entire um, season entering now to, in 2019 is they're banking on the internal growth. You know, they're banking on Garrett Hampson, who's been awful. They're banking on Ian Desmond, who has a batting average of 100 right now. They're banking on McMahon, who's hurt. Um, you know, they're, they're really, they kind of rolled the dice and, and they didn't really spend too much this offseason. I don't know if that's because they were saving up for Nolan and this Marquez extension, you know, but this is their window. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and there's definitely been a discussion about how the Dodgers, quote unquote, regressed, being that they lost guys like Puig and Kemp. They're still a really good team, don't get me wrong, but let's say the Rockies make a couple more moves in the offseason, the Dodgers stay where they were, maybe you're looking at a better club, you know, in the long run for Colorado. And that just, it hasn't been the case. And, and you, you can't overreact, you know, less than 10 games into the season. But, you know, if, if we're sitting here next week or the following week talking about these same trends, you know, the panic button's going to be pushed here real soon. Well, and it's weird because you see a team like the Rockies, ice cold, almost to an extent that you know they have to, they have to make progress at some point. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the Dodgers, the complete antithesis of that. They're, you know they're going to regress at some point. They're not going to be this good as a team throughout the year. But watching the game today and yesterday, it is two completely different levels of baseball being played. The Dodgers look like an MLB team. And, you know, without sounding too harsh, the Rockies look like a AAA team out there right yeah. now. 
watching the at-bats that Cody Bellinger is putting together, watching guys like Kike Hernandez, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, seeing the type of at-bats that they've put together in the first two games, Kike not today, but yesterday, it's it's like watching two complete dichotomies. I mean, I can't I, – I, it must be completely stomach, you know, a complete gut punch to see from that – you know, bird's eye view as Jeff Reidich to see the type of team that the Dodgers are fielding with those losses. And then to see the Rockies, in hindsight, yeah, they made, you know, the Daniel Murphy move. They add Mark Reynolds. But their additions have done nothing whatsoever, especially with Murphy now on the injured list, while the Dodgers' subtractions have actually made them better somehow. Yeah, the, the Rockies, or the Dodgers, excuse me, are just an incredible franchise, you know, through and through from their scouting department and whatnot. And, you know, there was an interesting comment that Dave Martinez, or, um, yeah, that Martinez made, or Dave Roberts, excuse Dave me, um, ahead of this series yesterday. Uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but he, he basically downplayed the idea of a Rockies-Dodgers rivalry. You know, he kind of defaulted to the uh, the Dodgers-Giants being more of a rivalry than the than the Dodgers and the Rockies. And I think that's true. You know, you know the, the Rockies really are the Dodgers' little brother or even their son. You know, they just – they the, the, the Dodgers have won six games in a row against them now. The Rockies, you know, these are – the Dodgers are the pinnacle for the Rockies that they need to beat. You know, the beating – beating the Dodgers consistently, winning the division. These are all humps that the Rockies need to get over in the long haul. And now we're here in year three that they're going to try to make the postseason, you know, for another season. And it's the same stuff, you know. It's The Dodgers just continue to chip away at the Rockies. You know, the Rockies are definitely going to go on their runs. They're going to have their highs. But at the end of the day, the Dodgers are a much more poised team. They're experienced, and they they don't cower in the moment. You know, you don't see the the Dodgers going through many of the slumps that the, that the Rockies currently find themselves in. Um, you know, and the Rockies really maybe need to take a page out of the Dodgers' book. They need to mature. You know, that you kind of talked about how they look like a triple-A team. That's maybe, you know, attributed to the lack of veteran presence on this club. Um, they really just do not look good. And for a season loaded with optimism and expectations, you know, it, it's really just a disheartening start to the season. And I, I can't stress enough, you know, I, for one, I really thought the bullpen was going to struggle, and they've been great. But it, it's, it's key guys. It's Nolan. It's Trevor. These are the guys that are struggling. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out moving forward. And I think, and me and you kind of touched on a little bit, I feel like the Trevor Story home runs, he had two yesterday, he had one in the on opening day, I think they're actually masking some of his deficiencies. Last year he raises that contact rate, he really works on putting the bat on the ball, and it paid off with first season ever for a shortstop, I believe, what, 40, 40 doubles, 30 mm -hmm you know, 30-something home runs and the stolen base total. First time that's ever been done by a shortstop in MLB history. And then you see the way he's – he. it almost looks like he's regressing back to two seasons ago yeah. right now. He's swinging at pitches he maybe shouldn't. He's hitting home runs every now and then to kind of mask those deficiencies. But guys like Ian Desmond haven't been so lucky. <laughs> They're not able to put the ball over the wall right now. They're only getting the ball on the ground. They're only, you know – striking out especially in crucial situations i mean if you look at yesterday's game they had bases loaded no outs at one point look at another inning they have runners on second and third one out in both of those innings combined they get one run that on any type of team is just not acceptable and i believe when they had that bases loaded stint they had the heart of their order up and they're not able to get more than one run 
I just can't fathom how you're sitting in the dugout as Bud Black and you can be anything but just I, I the panic button is hard to push this close into this, you know, close to the beginning of the year. But it must be so difficult for him to not just think, how in the world is this happening? And they go out, they get Dave Magden, they bring him in. He had a lot of success early with Arizona. And then it started to tail off in Arizona. And you almost wonder if the techniques that Magden is starting to preach, the philosophy that he's preaching, you wonder if maybe teams have figured that out. And that's why the end of that Arizona stint was such a struggle. And that's why the beginning of the Rockies stint has been such a struggle. You know, maybe. You know, you know Nolan Arenado uh, a couple days ago kind of talked about how the Rockies are going to live and die by being aggressive. You know, being aggressive is kind of one of the main attributes that this team kind of carries. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to have a story going up on it tomorrow morning from AlhaiSports.com or Sunday, I guess, is when this podcast is also coming out. So after you listen to the podcast, go check out my article. Um, but it's just talking about, you know, how being overly aggressive and, you know, be impressing in these at-bats might end up hurting the Rockies in the long run. Um, I don't think you're seeing the Rockies, you know, working enough 3-2 counts um, and whatnot. You, you want to see some more grit and grind from their offense. Um, and, and, you know, we kind of, we've talked about the panic button a little bit. And obviously I'm not ready to push it yet. But one of the other differences from this year compared to the last is how much more competitive the National League is going to be this season, especially for those wild card spots. You have teams like the Mets, the Phillies, the Braves, the Cubs, you know, the Brewers. These are a bunch of teams that are – the Padres even have been off to a good start. You know, establishing yourself as a playoff team, obviously the Rockies have never won a division, so that's going to be difficult. But say the Rockies are vying to be, a, a you know, another wild card team this year, it's not going to be as easy as it was last year to get to that point. So – you can't smash that panic button, but the fact, the most disappointing fact is that the pitching is being, is marginal. You know, they're keeping them in games, and I've, I've been reiterating this, and the Rockies' offense continues to falter. It's got to be so disheartening, and, you know, you kind of alluded to it, Bud Black has to be sick to his stomach. You know, Magnum has to be sick to his stomach. Dick Montfort, you know, he, he talked to the media yesterday and said how, you know, I love re-signing Nolan Arenado. I love, you know, re-signing Marquez. You know, he loves seeing this team succeed and thrive and there hasn't been a whole lot of that past the first two games this year yeah and I think you started to touch on a little bit the pitching actually hasn't been that bad if you look at the games that the pitching has struggled most of it has been obviously the back end of that rotation Herman and Kyle have been lights out so far this year that'll likely continue but Gray Bettis and Anderson their rough innings have come later in the game, later in their starts. So if the offense is able to get it going much earlier than they have been, you wonder how that momentum helps the pitching. I mean, when you toe the mound like John Gray today did today, and you saw, you've seen what the offense has done this year, you have to put more pressure on yourself. There's no way that you're going into a start as John Gray and not thinking, I have to be lights out because our offense is doing nothing right now. They have confidence. John Gray preached that confidence. Chad Bettis preached that confidence talking to him today. They're saying that they have that confidence, but there has to be an added pressure when the offense is being so inept so far. I, I completely agree. And that's why I think it's so important for this offense to get going because I think there might be some dysfunction you know, that might start developing in the clubhouse if it doesn't happen. You know, we've gotten on these starting pitchers in this bullpen so much. You know, you know, I've said it a million times already. It's not their fault so far this season. You know, Gray, while he wasn't lights out today, pitched well enough to give the you know the Rockies a chance to win. The, an interesting tidbit of information. You know, again, 
not even, you know, 15 games in the season, whatever. The Rockies have yet to win a game in which Kyle Freeland or Herman Marquez was not the starter. And, and that's got to be a concerning sign. Um, you know, I don't know what it's going to take to get this offense to wake up. Uh, you know, maybe some good juju, um, some mojo, you know, maybe an extra protein shake in the morning or something like that. Um, but it's got to come quick. And, I, and listen, these fans are upset. You know, they, they've come out in the forces these past two games. By the seventh inning, it's all Dodger fans, you know. Uh, this is the stuff that Nolan doesn't like, you know. He, he, Nolan re-signed here for a reason. And, and what we've seen so far this year is not that reason. And it's, it's even more crucial because when you look at the way his contract was structured, after that third year, he has an opt-out for every subsequent year after that third year. I'm not saying that this is going to be the do-or-die stretch of games. But putting together performances like this where the crowd, it was very audible at the end of the game. It was go Dodgers. It was like you were in L.A. There was no – there was hardly any Rockies fans left in the stands. And you can't blame the fans for their offense being as inept as it is. But if they're not able to put – you know, keep fans in their seats with any type of offense whatsoever – that is gonna. That could be their death sentence. This small window that they already have to compete with. Blackman actually getting a little bit older since he hit his prime late. I mean, you have Kyle Freeland, you have Trevor Story, you have these guys that are here and they're young. In the next couple of years, those contract extensions are gonna start coming up. Oh yeah. And who knows what type of extensions they're gonna be able to dole out? Are they gonna be able to re-sign Dahl? Are they gonna be able to re-sign Story? You don't know. So this right now is the time to compete and at the end of that three-year window if things were to continue like this and they're not able to hit the ball I mean right now they look like how the Padres have looked the past few years just Mm -hmm. completely inept you know there's no chance of them winning the division and you you touched on it the Rockies haven't won a division but they've at least been competitive and this year they don't look competitive I mean they so you win your first two against the Marlins, who are likely going to be the worst team, yeah. team in the MLB. You take one in a late inning, off a late inning home run from the Rays, where you fail to score a run in nine innings. I mean, those those aren't quality wins. They yeah, have yeah. no quality wins this year so far. And those two Marlins wins, as you touched on already, were with Kyle and Herman on the mound. If you can't beat the Marlins with Kyle and Herman on the mound, you should be sick. <laughs> To see that they weren't able to beat them any other time, it's, like I said, it is sickening for, I think, everyone involved. They are so frustrated right now. Yeah, and listen, the Rays series was understandable. The Rays are a good team, but I agree with you. The Marlins series was just putrid. I, I mean, the fact that they split that series is awful. It's disgusting. It's, it's really disheartening. But my biggest beef, my biggest head-scratching you know, situation with what's going on is the way the Rockies ended the season last year in the NLDS mirrors how they've played so far this year. And, you know, I remember sitting in the press box in Milwaukee during that NLDS and, you know, wondering, like, you know, what's going on? After the Rockies ended up getting eliminated from the playoffs last year, you know, a lot of players defaulted to long season. You know, I think we just ran out of gas. So my question is, well, why is this still happening? Because yeah, they look what's identical. The excuse? What's the you excuse know? now? Obvi- it's the same thing. You know, yeah. I mean, and the guys who hit in the playoffs last year are guys that are no longer here. Gerardo Parra, Cargo got a hit. You know, um, it, what is going on? I, I, I really don't know. Um, I, for one, I'm, I'm not a baseball guru. I, why is Trevor Story hitting second? You know, I know it was the first game that he did that today, but he's a strikeout machine. History tells you don't put a strikeout machine hitting second. Um, they're just not deep. Desmond, why is he still playing? There's just so many questions that kind of go into this Rockies offensive complexion. And 
you know, outside of Nolan, Dahl, Blackman, you know, everyone else is really a question mark. And I know Story's been good, but he's a strikeout machine. Sometimes he gets in these slumps that, you know, it really hurts the, you know, the overall roster and whatnot. So it's really frustrating. I guess that's what I'm trying to say is it's frustrating. And, and really, from the front office perspective, what kind of moves could you really make? I mean, you can look inside the NL West. You can call up the Arizona Diamondbacks and see, hey, Adam Jones, he's on that one-year deal. What would it take to get him out of town? Um, I mean, you look at maybe a Jose Abreu from the White Sox who's been kind of on a downturn of his own. But what exactly do you feel like they could even do? Because it looks like the type of moves they can make, they throughout Jeff Breidich's stint, their offensive moves at the deadline – have been virtually non-existent. Obviously, they add O last year. They added Pat Neshek the year before. But on the hitting front, they're not making those late-season additions. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a noticeable trend, you know? And I think, you know, when you talk about what could they do, who could they add, I think you have to start positionally because I think the reason that you saw guys like Cargo and Para and DJ go is because they had guys like Dahl and Hampson that they wanted to give playing time. So I think you have to kind of corner a position. You know, where, where's an area of emphasis where you can get a bat and a defensive player? Um, maybe first base. You know, everywhere else around the diamond, you know, on the infield is, is, is kind of caught up. But, you know, you, you were talking about how they didn't want to spend a lot of money and, and all that. Cargo signed for two mil. Para signed a minor league deal. Um, Jonathan Lucroy, I, I'm big on the catching position. I, Tony Walters is good, and he's off to a good start. I don't think he's going to be a 300 hitter, you know, close to that throughout mm -hmm. the entire season. When Lucroy was here, he raked offensively, and he worked really well with the starting staff, especially John Gray. And I think he signed a one-year, $3.5 million deal with Los the Los Angeles Angels. Like, you can't do that. You can't sign Cargo to a $2 million deal that he got with Cleveland. You can't sign Para to a minor league contract. You know, these are, you know, quote-unquote affordable decisions that you can make that they didn't. And that's where the head-scratching comes in for me. And it makes you wonder because, you know, this is, you know, dating it a little bit, but back back when they added Michael Kadire to play right field back in the day, they added Justin Morneau. Both of them come in, hit over 300, are great additions. So you, it almost makes you wonder, what has changed analytically? What has changed from the way that teams are viewing players that the Rockies aren't able to just bring in any bat and turn them into a 300 hitter? Because that was their thing. I mean, even two years ago, they bring Mark Reynolds in, mm -hmm. revive his career. I mean, and now all of a the sudden they can't get anything going. I mean, Desmond is looking oh – it may, it may or may not be an exaggeration to say that he, offensively he may be the worst signing they've had in recent memory at least. He might be one of the worst signings ever in yeah. baseball. I it's, mean, for that money. I mean, it's – and granted, you have the, you know, the contracts like the Pujols contract that is really not <laughs> turning out. You have the A-Rod contract that, you know, went down the, the first drain. Half. Went down the drain, but at least they provided production at some point. Yeah. Ian Desmond has yet to provide Zero. any production at any point. Yeah, it's um, gosh, I don't even know what to say about Ian Desmond. Um, I, I was telling you, I think it's gonna be my next story, just talking about Desmond and and, and what do you do at this point? I mean, I, I think you have to get to the point. You're at the point now. Where you have to consider just eating the money. I mean, it, he has been so bad. He's an awful awful clubhouse presence if at least from what i can tell he doesn't like talking to the media he, he just really gives off the vibe of a guy that just doesn't look like he wants to be here you know which is unfortunate considering that they signed him to be a veteran presence and they're giving him this huge contract and he's hitting in the hitter's haven of the mlb like 
I cannot fathom how you wouldn't be happy. Yeah, it's a great state. It's a great city. Fan base is good. You, I, I don't get it. You know, I don't know, man. Ian Desmond is the one conundrum that I haven't really been able to figure out so far this season, or really his entire Rockies career. But, he, you know, he's just a piece of the puzzle, man. He really is. It, it's, it's this entire Rockies offense has just been lacking. Um, I believe entering today before the end of today's game, this number's gone down now. Um, they're averaging about 3.2 runs per game. And, and, yeah, and it's the, down 2.8. Yeah, and, and the messed up part of that is a lot of that's padded from their first two games and those first two wins against the And then the yesterday when they get, you know, five runs when the game was already pretty much out yeah, of hand. Garbage those runs. are ballooning their runs per game. They're worse than that actual runs per game. And that's already terrible. And I think... What makes the Desmond thing even more sickening is to see the type of players that have been signed for either comparable money or less money in the same span. I mean, you have Lorenzo Cain, a you know perennial gold glove type center fielder, also a great leadoff hitter. He signs with the Brewers for only ten million more overall in his contract. You see, you you know you see J.D. Martinez go to the Red Sox. You know, much larger type, you know, much larger type contract. But overall, I think, I think that the contract he signed with the Red Sox, why did, why was that never explored? It was a big contract. I totally understand. But if you know your window is going to be now, can you imagine at the year he had last year having it in the Rockies purple? I mean, you would have a lineup of. At least last year, you would have had a lineup of Blackman, DJ, Nolan, J.D. Martinez, Dahl, Story. You have that lineup, and then you bring that lineup into this year. The Daniel Murphy, the Daniel Murphy signing maybe never happens if they do do the J.D. Martinez. But if you look at that, and then you have a lineup of Blackman, Murphy, Nolan, J.D., Story, like it makes you know it almost makes you salivate a little to think of that lineup at Coors Field especially with the type of power that JD Martinez has to all fields there's no you know he has no deficiencies i think that we can touch on hitting as much as you know as much as everyone else i think that the lone bright spot for them and you know they just signed Herman do a extension 5 years 43 million not ridiculous at all no, pretty very good contract fair. And if they go to arbitration with him, he's going to get more than oh, they gave him. And Kyle Freeland's also been great. I'm, I think that most people thought that that 2.85 ERA from last year and that fourth place NL Cy Young finish was a little bit of a no, an anomaly. And to see him start to replicate that has just been great, I think, for Bud Black being a pitching-type coach, for Scott Foster. I think that them seeing that that performance has carried over, I think has been great. Yeah, you know, I definitely agree. Um, you know, we kind of talked about it today in the press conference with Herman. Herman and Kyle paired together, if they continue to develop on the path that they are, is could be the best one-two punch in baseball here in a couple seasons. I mean, both of them have devastating stuff, an electric fastball, solid breaking pitches to kind of complement that fastball as well. Um, you know, it, it's definitely um, a great 
top of the rotation for these guys to have, and they performed well so far this season. So, you know, hopefully they can keep it up. The Rockies tend to win games in which those two guys start. Um, you know, John Gray as well. You know, he's looked pretty good. Um, and, and, you know, my biggest criticism of Gray in the past has been his mental toughness. Um, and it seems so far this year that whether he gives up a home run or a big hit, um, he's been able to kind of wipe the slate clean and, and really try to buckle down, um, you know, and not let the five, six, seven run inning happen like we've seen in years past. Um, you know, thankfully for the Rockies, their rotation and their bullpen has held up for the most part this far, and, and it's the offense has been struggling. But history tells us history tells us that that's not going to be the case moving forward. So that's why you want to see them take advantage of it while they have it. But um, listen, you you alluded to it, man. Marquez, Freeland, two of the best in the game, and those two alone, you know, pitching can win you a lot of games in a 162. Um, moving forward for the foreseeable future, the fact that you have Marquez locked down, and I would think they're going to sign Freeland to a long-term contract being he's a Colorado kid, you know, all that stuff. He yeah. loves it here. Um, definitely a bright future for the franchise moving forward in that sense. But at the moment, you know, things aren't clicking for them overall, you know, with the overall team. And I think a bigger surprise to me, actually, before the year I talked about it in my podcast, their bullpen, I thought, was a huge red flag. I thought that the way that Brian Shaw performed last year, Wade Davis gets an, you know, NL leading 43 saves – but overall, he allowed quite a bit of damage throughout the season. Oh, yeah. And then you also see the way that McGee performed. And then now, McGee's gone, you know, on the injured list with that left knee strain. He's For what it's worth, he's dealt with a uh, left knee injury th- to the same knee three times throughout his career. So this is a recurring problem with that left knee. Yeah, and he was talking about in the clubhouse today, he's going to get a custom-molded knee brace. Um, so who knows how that works out. But overall... I mean, Brian Shaw has bounced back. Mike Dunn great. coming off the shoulder injury has been great. Estevez, he allowed a run yesterday, but overall he's been great after getting called up for McGee. Wade Davis has been pretty good. I mean, there really is not anything to complain about from their bullpen no. so far, and that is absolutely insane to me because I thought it was a huge red flag, especially after someone O gets destroyed in spring training. And then... You don't have, as a ball club, you don't have Chris Russin due to back spasms to start the year, and somehow they're still keeping it together. I I can't fathom how they're doing. Yeah, no, I agree, man, and and that's why I'm not sure if it's going to last, and that's why I kind of, you know, alluded to the fact that the Rockies need to take advantage of this stuff. Um, because history tells us, you know, that the bullpen will fall off, but the rotation will struggle throughout the season. So um, you have you have to be happy, though. You know, we've talked about not wanting to overreact with the offense. I think the same applies with the bullpen. You know, these are major league players. Scott Oberg is solid. Um, they have some really good pitchers in that staff, um, both in the bullpen and the rotation. So, you know, fingers crossed that they can keep it up and the offense can kind of catch up to speed because if the bullpen holds its, you know, holds their own and this offense picks it up, it could be a really good team. You know, but it's can they fire on all cylinders at once? And they, they've shown that that's been a struggle in years past. Well, the past is the past. Looking forward a little bit. Tomorrow night, Rockies are on Sunday Night Baseball. It's the first time since 2001 yep. that the ESPN crew has come to Coors Field. Um, saw A-Rod talking to Trevor Story today. That was kind cool. of a cool moment, I'm sure, for you know Trevor Story. Um, towing the mound tomorrow is going to be Chad Bettis. The fifth starter for the Rockies had kind of a rough start his first go around, and Julio Urias may be butchering that name. Pretty sure that's how it's said. Maybe butchering it, but he's—I mean, he's 
a dynamite young pitcher for them alongside Walker Bueller. Yeah, he is, man. And there was an interesting tidbit. The Rock or the Dodgers, excuse me, are so deep in the rotation um, that they're saying that this might be Urias's lone start of the se- or his second start and his only start until September rolls around, just because of how deep they are. He might be shifted back to the bullpen. Um, it's going to be a good game, you know. Chad Bettis is a pretty average pitcher, you know. At best, he he's, doesn't have any overpowering stuff. Can give you a solid start. So I think tomorrow, you know, you want to see the Rockies maybe try to take advantage of maybe getting a decent start from Bettis and also going up against a young pitcher in Urias. You know, um, being at Coors Field, I believe he's pitched here once or twice before and he's got rocked. Um, you know, but I also thought the Rockies may have had a chance to rock Walker Bueller, rock Walker Bueller today. That's a mouthful. Yeah, considering um, his poor start um, prior to this one here in Coors Field, and obviously that wasn't the case. Um, you know, and I wanna, I'm tempted to say that I think the Rockies should try to be aggressive tomorrow, but I think they've been too aggressive overall this season. So I think you're gonna want to see them offensively try to scale it back and, and play small ball, play National League baseball. You know, if there's a runner on first, no outs, I don't get you know as long as it's not Nolan, maybe bunt the guy over. You know, you try to spice it up a little bit. I'm not trying to say force some runs, but set yourself up for some, for some better success. Um, you know, if you're if you have runners in scoring position you will score eventually. Obviously, the numbers are not in the Rockies' favor, but you have to keep putting yourself in that position if you're Colorado, and it'll definitely be an interesting challenge here tomorrow. And listen, all the spotlight's going to be on them with the crew in here, um, so we'll see how they perform on the big stage. Yeah, and I talked to Bettis today. You know, he he's feeling very good. He felt like there was one missed pitch that pitched to Brandon Lowe. He felt like that was kind of his missed pitch in that game. But other than that, he felt really good in his start against the Rays. And he's had success at the past against the Dodgers, and he was saying that's something that he can really draw on. He gets a lot of confidence from that, and he's getting the support of now Tyler Anderson and John Gray. They have a full day tomorrow to discuss kind of what happened, what they saw, um, you know, maybe how to attack Bellinger. Because early in this game, Gray was having a little bit of success against Bellinger. Early yesterday, there was a little bit of success against Bellinger. So there's a formula that's present. They just have yet to figure it out. But first pitch is scheduled for 640. Chad Bettis, Julio Urias. Catch the game on ESPN. Catch us next time. We'll have a podcast most likely coming out Tuesday morning. Um, You know, after the first game of the Braves series, that's going to be an interesting (laughs) series because the Braves are a hot, young offensive team as well. But they do have Herman Marquez and Kyle Freeland in that series. So we'll give you all the details on that. Stay tuned on MileHighSports.com for all your, you know, all the latest news. Got the McMahon article up, kind of how their options are going. Fuentes gets called up. He gets his first hit today. Nolan Arenado's cousin. Cool story. Um, so there's a lot that's going to be coming out and that is already out on Mile High Sports. So catch up on that. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, listen, everybody that works as a member of the Rockies media is great. But I'm not ashamed to say that I think we do have the best overall Rockies content out there. I mean, we cover every single, we cover all the bases. I mean, the amount of articles that we've put out already this season has been overwhelming. Um, we've done a really good job, at least in my opinion, of, of providing you, the fan, with great insight and, and unique perspective that you don't necessarily find anywhere else. You know, we've been trying to stray away from the, the generic news piece and whatnot. We want to give you insight. We want to, you know, try to give you some information on how this team thinks how they operate and you know if you want to become a better fan you're going to want to check out our content over at mileysports.com um really looking forward to everything that we have coming this season 
Um, it, it's going to be a good one. You know, Luke and myself, um, Jenna as well, Ronnie, the whole crew, Les was here today. Um, between our online site, between the radio station and the magazine, I, I really think we do have the most well-rounded coverage um, in Denver surrounding the Rockies. Um, that's all I got for myself. You got anything else to add, Luke? That's it for me. I, I think that we touched on the offense enough for – you know, the next three <laughs> years combined. So catch us next time on the 20th and Blake podcast. Till next time, baseball fans.